Hi, everyone, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to CEOs all about their business blunders, you know, the stuff they won't put on their LinkedIn timeline unless they're on the Matt Brown Show, in which case they have to. Uh, but with us on the line uh, is the co-founder and CEO of GroundFloor.com, Brian Daly. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. So, for having me. Oh, mate, it's a privilege is all mine, man. It's uh, great to have you here. You guys are doing incredible things. So let's maybe start with that. Uh, what is the elevator pitch, uh, Brian, for Ground Floor? What are you guys up to over there? Look, when it comes to investing, uh, we all have the sense in finance generally that we're not getting our fair share of the pie. The truth is actually more insidious than that. Uh, the truth is we're not actually being served the same thing. And Ground Floor is here to solve that problem when it comes to investing. We let everybody be the bank. And being the bank is a good thing to be. I think people kind of have that sense. Uh, what we mean by that is we allow individual investors to earn high yields and get cash flow with just the bare minimum of risk on that cash flow by investing fractionally in single family investment property. Uh, the trick, the reason that it's so good is we allow people to invest fractionally down to a $10 minimum. And we have over 50,000 investors who've used our tools and technology to build their own portfolio of hundreds of these investment loans that are backed by properties all over the country. People are getting about 8 to 12% returns on average. And like I mentioned, a big bunch of cash flow on top of that. Um, the numbers have gotten pretty big. Uh, people inv have invested about a billion dollars on our platform collectively now, and that's growing by about 30 to 40 million a month now. 30 to 40 million per month? Yeah. <laughs> Those are, that's what I call champagne problems, right? <laughs> uh, it's been a long road to get here, so we'll talk about it, but yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, let's get into that then. Uh, what is your story of fail for our audience around the world today, Brian? Well, getting this business started wasn't easy. And we had uh, a particular string of failures uh, in our first year that, uh, you know, could have killed us, actually. Mm -hmm. Back in 2000, we started in 2013. So that's when it all when it all went down. So what transpired? Well, neither me nor my co-founder uh, were in real estate before. And when we first started the company, we had this big vision about investing and creating the next great mass market investment product, we learned that people, one of the main interests investors might have if they were going to invest outside the public stock market would be real estate and specifically residential real estate. So we started learning more about that. Uh, we were fortunate to meet an advisor who had a project for us. It was in Indiana, it was in, Indiana uh, in a college town in Indiana. And we went off brazenly like brave entrepreneurs to go finance this project. Now, it was a building. It had commercial. It had you know residential space in it. And it, the financing itself that we were signing ourselves up to provide was a million dollars. So that was our first failure. And we never got to find out what would have been true, which is, there's no way we could have raised a million dollars for that project. We we were biting off way more than we could chew. But before we had the chance to find that out, the project fell apart. So imagine you've, you've got all the energy of like a new startup 
you've got your first customer, you're totally excited, they're an advisor to the company, it's all going great, you're building your website, you're getting ready to go, you're imagining how this is going to take off, and not only do you not get to succeed at funding it, you don't even get to launch it because the project itself is not going forward. But that was just part one of the failure. (laughs) Because part two, and that one never saw the light of day, part two of the failure was a smaller project. This one was about $300,000 in Atlanta, Georgia. And we turned our attentions on this quadruplex on Charles Allen Drive in Atlanta. And we were fired up, man. We were, we had our customer. We got, all right, this guy's going to be our first customer. And it looked like it all lined up. There were a few details that were, in retrospect, maybe some red flags. But we built the website for that. And we started to recruit investors and we even got that one launched. But two and a half, three months into the project, despite all of our efforts, we had raised about half the money. So we were only up to about $150,000. And the problem with that is you don't have that much runway. I mean, we had not really raised any money. I think we'd raised $125,000 in seed capital. Plus I had put in a fair amount of my own money into into the startup at that time. And so our runway's running out. We have this first customer. It's pretty clear we're not going to have enough money. Now, the funny thing is, you know, like I mentioned today, fast forward 10 years later, it's an overnight success, right? Uh, 10 years later, we're doing 30 to 40 million worth of financing a month. We couldn't even do the first $300,000 loan in the first 90 days. And in fact, that project didn't go forward either and actually was demolished and is still to this day a vacant lot on that street. So we kind of dodged a bullet with that failure. And it's a little embarrassing to admit, but that was the string of failures in our first year as a company. (laughs) Sounds epic. (laughs) It was epic. So what did you learn from those experiences, Brian? Like what did, you know, that experience teach you those two, uh, you know, those two stories? Well, I, I, I will tell you, and it, I, I hope it's an encouragement to other people who are staring down a failure. If you do your failure right, if you succeed at failure, uh, that can build to a future success. And that was the case for us. Like that first project, we, in retrospect, we learned a valuable lesson about deal size, about deal structure, about what stage to get involved and when to place the bet. I mean, that's a really important question as an entrepreneur, right? Is learning when to sort of press the accelerator and when to make the bet. So we learned a good good lesson about that. We also, you know, got at least our first turn at developing the website and what that might look like. So we had actually something to work with when we turned to the second project. And from the second project, we learned we still were trying to raise too much money. The deal was too big. It was also way too complex. What we were trying to sell was way too complex because our customer for whom we were providing the capital had some requirements that made it complex. And so we realized, oh man, you know, we really need something that's a lot simpler. Uh, And we did get a few cracks at customer acquisition. And by the way, in February of 2014, because of that failure, literally out of the ashes of that failure, we met our first customer who successfully launched a deal on the platform And we took all of the investors that we had recruited for that first deal, pointed them at that deal, and we funded our first loan, which was $40,000 with 39 investments over the course of about five days. 
And that enabled us to do the next project with our second customer, which was another $40,000 loan in just two days. And then we were off and running, right? But without those failures, we never would have known what's the right deal size, what's the right website to build, who's the right type of customer, what's the right type of offering. We never could have known that. Mm. So I, that's what I think I learned from the failure, which is, you know, in each failure can be, if you look at it the right way, and if you're paying attention, the seeds of your ultimate success. Mm. Uh, that's actually come up consistently, you know, on this series, which is really fascinating. It's like, it's almost like the universe is conspiring to teach you what not to do so that you can know what to do so that you can start to go where you're meant to go or become who you're meant to become as a business, as a team, and as a partner to your customers. Um, and it's this idea, isn't it, uh, Brian, that, you know, your breakdowns or your breakthroughs only if, however, to your point that you're self-aware enough to be asking your question, the right question, all right, well, this sucks, but what are we not seeing? What are we not doing? What, what can we do? You know, and, and I think it's about you know, having this can-do mindset that uh, failure is there to teach you what not to do. Um, and so then it's about shifting your focus, which is exactly what you guys did. You said, you know, you took those investors from the initial failed deal and you moved them onto other uh, investment opportunities. And that's how you became successful. And I think that's And look, the- we, went, we went from this huge property that was like a showpiece in a college town, you know, big fancy property. Everybody would want to be part of that. To then just a humble quadruplex house, you know, in a neighborhood in Atlanta, then to like, a really small house, you know, in an up and coming part of Atlanta, you know, that. And so I think for us, it was a balance of humility, you know, being humble and open, but also being very tenacious, you know, and, uh, and fixed on the end goal. So Brian, if you could get into the Matt Brown show time machine and kind of go back to before this all happened, what would you do differently? Well, one thing I think that we could have done differently was to abandon our vision and take the easy way out. And actually, there were a lot of platforms that did that. I mean, if the narrow goal was just to fund a project, uh, we could have done that, you know, by instead of going after our vision, which was a broad-based financial product for everybody, we could have gone to well-heeled investors or funds or REITs, right? We could have done the typical thing if that was the goal. Um and actually, we saw a lot of platforms do that who were kind of in our space thinking of similar types of ideas. Uh, most of them actually are not around anymore, <laughs> you know, to tell the tale. Um, but aside from that, so I, I, and I'm really glad I didn't do that to avoid that failure. I'm glad we stuck to our vision. And we're really the only team that did that uh, out of the gate. Uh, I think the only other thing I would say if I had the time machine is I do think a lot about how we could have gotten closer to our eventual end customer sooner. I mean, it took us a year to meet that eventual end customer. And I do think about, you know, time is of the essence when you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, you time really does matter. And, and you know, here in the company 10 years later, we still talk a lot about when we have a new project, how to collapse the time between stimulus and response, you know, between deciding to go do something and learning something from it. And I do think about, you know, were there ways as a founder at that stage that we could have done that faster, getting to that first customer? Um, I don't know. It took us a year. And I think that's a long time. So uh, I think that's the one thing I would, I'd have back 
is mm. that time. Absolutely. Brian, what is your advice to other CEOs or entrepreneurs out there right now in terms of the importance of failure in business success? Um, look, I'm, I mean, I don't know what's right for everyone. I, I can only report what I know is right for me uh, and for entrepreneurs who identify you know, similarly to me. Not everybody's the same about why they're doing it or how they want to go about it or what they can bear, right, uh, and why they're in it. For me, uh, I think it's really important that people have, you know, if you're going to drag your family and your friends and your, you know, people who sign up to be your employees or investors through this, I would just say, have a vision for the future of what you're working on. That's big enough and important enough uh, and personally motivating enough to keep you on track through all these ups and downs, right? That is going to just keep you focused on it. I mean, I, Everybody talks about pivoting and sometimes that's necessary, but I would just say, if you're going to go through all this, you're going to put yourself into it, do it in an arena that, you know, you're not going to pivot out of, you know, you might pivot within the arena and you might go from financing a, a big building down to a quadruplex, down to a single family house. That's, you know, modestly priced in a up and coming area of your city in our case, right? Like we did. But don't pivot out of the arena. Don't lose your focus on the big vision that got you into it in the first place. And I would say, start with that. Start with something that's worthy you know, of your time, attention, and the resources that you're going to have to pull together to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Speaking of rules, uh, resources, Brian, are there any books, tools, or resources that uh, you recommend entrepreneurs, CEOs should use on their personal journeys building their companies? I am... Uh, a big fan of a book that influenced me along the way that helped me to stay, to realize what was happening with me psychologically. And it's called The Courage to Be Disliked. Uh, that book is uh, is excellent because the truth is uh, on this journey, you're never going to make everyone happy. Uh, if you're doing it right, you're going to make some people very unhappy. Uh, one of the most controversial decisions I made was to lower our minimum investment from $100 down to $10. I thought our investors were going to revolt, you know, and a lot of them were very unhappy and change it back. What are you doing? You know, and it turned out to be uh, a signature decision that we made along the way that uh, helped us become what we we're ultimately set to become. Uh, but there's a lot, you have to be self-assured and you really have to be comfortable with being criticized because uh, there's a lot to criticize in my line of work. So that book helped me a lot. Well, um, like they say, you know, criticism is best reserved for the eye of the beholder, right? So anyway, <laughs> right. but uh, Brian, that concludes your time in the hot seat. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story of failure. I know it will definitely make a difference to, uh, to my audience uh, all around the world. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I sure hope so. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks, everybody. See you again soon. 